Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Me Athlete Radio. Matt Frazier and Doug Hay here with another episode of No Meat Athlete Radio. And I'm really excited about this one. This is uh, an interview tonight, actually. Doug, you're not going to be here for this interview, unfortunately, because uh, our guest, whose name is Harvey Lewis, he won the Badwater 135 this year, uh, which is only, I don't know, two or three months ago now. Uh, he's a school teacher. He, he works, he's not a pro runner, as at least as far as his main job goes. He has a day job, he teaches social studies. Uh, in Cincinnati, so he's available at nighttime only, so uh, it's going to be just me, but I am really looking forward to that because as I've mentioned several times, like whenever I was on the book tour and people asked me, they said, okay, so what's your big goal? Because I would encourage everyone to have some kind of big crazy goal, and I was I was always sort of hesitant to give it, but like my dream race one day would be to go do Badwater, and I'm, I'm kind of a long way off from there because it takes 300 mile runs just to you know apply to even be considered, and even then they're getting hundreds of applicants who are way more qualified than I am for sure at least from a running perspective um, so that's it's sort of my long stretch goal and I don't think my family would be super into it <laughs> uh, so I don't know I'm, I'm hesitant to say that's my goal because I haven't I have not made a commitment to say I want to do this thing yet but uh, that's why I'm interested because it's a, it's a guy who's a vegetarian won that with a normal job and putting in not not that crazy week so I'm really looking forward to this one to hearing uh, hearing his advice for for how do you you know how do you how do you how do you beat someone who does bad not just do bad water but wins bad water when you're also a normal person who lives in cincinnati doesn't have any extreme heat to train in uh you know it, i'm really excited for this one yeah yeah it's gonna be a good one i'm sorry i'm gonna not be a part of it but i'm excited to listen to it because you know, i think one of those things that anyone who runs ultra marathons um thinks about is how limiting you know unless you live in the mountains or unless you live in the desert or wherever you're racing um it's hard to uh, picture yourself being competitive or even having like a you know a really stellar race in, in one of these extreme conditions where a lot of the ultra marathons are so it'll be interesting to hear how he trained in cleveland for such a cincinnati cincinnati for for uh for such a <laughs> an intense race uh this will be fun yeah and and badwater is interesting oh for, we should i guess clarify for those because not everyone is an ultra runner or or follows it i mean i don't even really follow it very much uh but i i know a few of the races Badwater is the 135-mile race that, at least until this year, went through Death Valley and then up to the top of Mount McKinley, or close to the top. I don't, I don't know if it's actually the summit, but um, I probably should know these things if it's my if it's my <laughs> race. But anyway, they had some, some legal issues where I guess it was, you know, I don't want to speculate. I have no idea really what the cause was, but it seemed like it was like permitting issues and all of a sudden yeah, I think some it was, sort of local government. Yeah, the, the, the national park service wouldn't give them their permit okay yeah, yeah and, and the, the little bit of controversy that i saw about it was that they, they were kind of implying at least the the national park service or somebody at least indirectly apply, implied that it was too dangerous of a thing to happen and the bad water people were like well look at our our track record our safety record nobody's ever died here and mm-hmm. it's it's no more dangerous than any other ultra marathon perhaps maybe even safer i mean who i that might be a tough argument to make but <laughs> well you do have the support van that, that rides with you you know at right. all times yeah so, that's true so definitely and, uh, but and, I mean, they, and there's no climbing either. And that's a lot of times in like a big climbing mountainous race is when you when you ro- involve those those renal problems, you know, with the protein buildup and the 
the brown urine and all those nice things to think about. I think that there is a decent amount of climbing. There is. It's not a mountain race, but it no, does. No. It does. It, it all have a decent amount. And it uh, they bill it as the world's toughest uh, ultra marathon. So there you go. There you go. It must be tough. So yeah, right. If they say it. <laughs> Let's see if Wikipedia says it. Let's make sure that they. Agree. <laughs> um. But anyway, so they so they changed the course this year, and I don't know how much of the original was still there, but I think it was significant changes, and apparently wasn't quite as hot this year due to the changes. Like it went through a different place that wasn't quite, you know, as hot. I think I think it's not technically bad water because it doesn't go through the bad water basin or whatever. And I don't, mm. like I said, I I could be wrong about a lot of this stuff. This is kind of what I've read from a few different articles. Um, but anyway, yeah, Harvey prepared in Cincinnati doing. 100 mile a week 100 mile 100 miles a week on average was his typical training week i think he he got higher than that significantly higher for a few weeks like 120 130 but those you know that's not like elite marathoners elite ultra runners a lot of times you hear people doing 160 plus and uh i don't know that just struck me as as a very low amount of mileage in a place like cleveland where i know there are some hills but not a place it's not a place where there's any kind of heat compared to badwater so that that's why I'm I'm kind of eager just to hear about how this all went down, um, but yeah, Badwater is not one that a lot of runners have a big desire to run. Like when I tell people about that, a lot of times it's it's just like this, like people just get angry almost. Like why would anyone possibly try? That <laughs> just seems like the dumbest idea that anyone would ever want to do. And even a lot of ultra runners, it you know it doesn't have like that classic ultra marathon appeal to it. I don't think like it's just it's almost kind of like quirky and like until recently it was. It was 20 people in it, and like there would be like that one video. There's a, on, we'll put the link to it on YouTube. There's a, was a free, I don't know if it's still free, but it was called Running on the Sun. It was the Badwater mm-hmm. documentary. And that made it just look miserable. I mean, it was yeah. like people going to the hospital left and right and vomiting and doing whatever else. But like one guy was a speed walking type guy who was in the race. And this, <laughs> this is like, I don't know, from the late 80s or 90s when it was still kind of a small thing. And like there was this, weird looking speedwalker guy in it uh-huh. and some military guy and it just seems like all this this like crack squad of people who did it and it wasn't really i mean i don't know i i, I don't know if it was taken seriously then or if it was just kind of this little funny sideshow thing but i feel like it hasn't quite shaken that for as still as badass as it is 135 miles in these 120 degree temperatures where apparently one year some some sponsor was giving away free shoes and they they started melting on the road because it got so hot and people had to run on the white line for it for the shoes not to melt. Uh, I mean, so crazy things like that. But it's not. Uh, it's not. It's interesting. Like for me, I have no desire to do a, a Western States mountain thing. It, that just seems like a miserable day and a half to me, or or hopefully day if, if I was any good. Um, but someone like you doesn't often seem that interested in bad water. Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. It's. I think we're completely opposite on this one. And I, it kind of goes back to what uh, we talked about in an episode a few episodes ago about motivation and and that kind of thing the running through the flat desert in the sun on pavement just seems like the worst thing that i could possibly (laughs) spend you know 30 hours or however long it takes you to to do it uh doing um but you know but running through beautiful mountains and up and down you know these beautiful peaks you know even if it is hot or even if it is long and exhausting you know that that's what motivates me but you know that's just like you know different strokes for different yeah. folks i guess <laughs> yeah i i don't know like when i think of of a western states or any sort of mountain ultra like even even some of the 50s or the 100 i've done it's like you 
you're hiking up trails and then you you think you're kind of at the top of the hill and then there's a turn and you realize that you're not even close and now it gets <laughs> steeper and you still got to hike more yeah. and you're hiking for an hour sometimes or 40 minutes and Badwater is like you can I mean, at least with the old course I don't know if it's still this way but you, it looked like you could just see the whole thing basically in front of you <laughs> <laughs> see for 135 miles <laughs> yeah. um, and, and I think this guy Harvey said this I, there's a good article or at least an article on competitor competitor's site about him so we will link to that too but uh, he said something in there about the spiritual side of, of ultra running and he said for Badwater for him I think with the heat and all that it just it like makes him feel closer to God than, than anything other race hmm. um and part of what he said had to do with that you could just you could just see these long stretches where you'd be running mm-hmm. um that my the appeal of that to me isn't being close to god as much as just like seeing where exactly you're going in front of you and thinking okay i just need to run there and there's not gonna be any big surprise between here and there and then i'll get a new view and it's not going to be a sudden you know 35 degree incline up a hill yeah although there's I I mean, like know. you said there is a share of hills in there that seems like being closer to hell to me, but um, <laughs> especially, you know, if you can see for 135 miles, you know that you have to go all that way, you know. Okay, One... I don't think you can see for 135 miles. <laughs> no, I know, you I know. You can probably see for maybe five or ten miles. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. I think... <laughs> Yeah, but it'll it'll be super interesting. And it is it le- it's such a legendary race, and um, it's super cool to have somebody on here that that has won it and or has run it and won and, yeah, and, and won. done can get done it completely well. Right, and he's a vegetarian, which we haven't even really talked about, which yeah. is cool. So I'm looking forward to hearing about how he fueled and uh, you know if you thought that had any impact on his race. Obviously, Scott Jurek, who was a Badwater legend, uh, has done it as a vegan, so he's certainly not the first to to win Badwater on a plant-based or plant type of diet if you don't want to call that plant-based but for me mm. that's plant-based um so anyway yeah so that it'll be fun i'm looking forward to it and uh we'll uh we'll go to the interview now all right i'm with harvey lewis who as we mentioned a few minutes ago uh is not only a vegetarian not only an ultra runner but actually the winner of this year's Badwater Ultra Marathon. So, Harvey, first of all, congratulations on that, and second of all, thank you for taking the time to join us here. Thank you so much. It's a real honor to be uh, be on your podcast, and yeah, I, I, I'm just really thrilled about it. Cool. Well, I've I've got a lot to ask you, and I'm thrilled to have you on here because, um, as I've said many many times, Badwater to me is is sort of my uh, dream ultra marathon. I'm I'm very much a recreational runner you know have have done 100 miler and uh you know that and that took me forever so um, that's awesome uh, yeah i mean it's it's it was awesome for me but you know so so badwater is, is just kind of fascinating to me and i want to talk about how you want it and, and all that stuff so i i was reading an article about you i think it was on competitor and they said there that you ran you only trained 100 miles on average a week and and did this in cincinnati right yeah, that's correct. And in, in fact, my uh, weekly average a year prior was like 85 miles a week. But uh, I, I train, you know, I live in Cincinnati, Ohio. And uh, so the bulk of my training is is in Cincinnati. And uh, the the uh, that's that's about the, the average. I actually did go to Portugal uh, and met up with my, my rival and good friend, Carlos saw who's, uh, last year's winner. And we trained in Portugal as well. So I did get a little bit more, uh, acclimation in the sense of like climbing, running up crazy mountains, right, right. <laughs> but, 
but uh, but not not a whole lot more. Yeah, and like and so the heat, like you didn't do any special type of heat training then, right? You just, I mean, figured you'd be in good shape, and that that was all you needed. Yeah, yeah. The, it, I always love running in the heat, and uh, so I do just as part of my normal routine. I I do like building up to the race, especially like the last maybe uh, ten weeks before before the race. I'll incorporate at least a day. I try to do a day a week where I'll do additional heat. Uh, and that could be either being in a sauna for 30 minutes or it could be uh, running with like a lot of clothes on. Uh-huh. And and what I found is actually you get a lot of optimum uh, effect from it by even just running for an hour and hour 15 minutes with a lot of clothing on. You don't necessarily have to go run 50 miles with a a, a lot of heat in order to get the the same impact on your uh your body okay and was that something that you just kind of discovered on your own or did you read that somewhere and just decide no, I, everything i did I, I pretty much were was from like my own discovery like trial and error uh i've ran the race now four times and also i i went out there with ian adamson who's a pretty phenomenal athlete with newton and uh I've crewed for him going back uh, five years ago. So uh, I, I learned a little bit from what watching what other people were doing out there and also just trial and error. And I, I just I really do love the heat. And it, it's a part of it is also a mental attitude. And if you if you go into the race thinking that you you can't stand the heat, then you already self-defeated yourself. <laughs> so you have to like have a positive attitude about the mountains and if you don't love mountains all of a sudden you love mountains and of <laughs> right. course we all love mountains but i mean running up the mountains so uh you know that you have to have the, the attitude whatever your mind you know creates is what transcends into the the real world too that that's awesome because that's i'm into that stuff very much you know the setting goals and thinking yeah. positive and all that stuff and i saw in the article that that either you or someone else kind of credited that for a large part of your winning the race uh, which is my next Definitely. question. Why did you win this race? How did you win this thing by a whole hour? And I mean, I don't know. Do, do you have, I mean, I don't really follow ultra running that closely, but mm. um, I mean, you, you haven't like won a bunch of grand slam ultras or anything, right? Well, I, I've won, uh, I've won a number of ultras, but not like, uh, not, I haven't won a bad water. So, I mean, I consider bad water to be one of the super bowl races, and so that that was a huge race for me and definitely uh, it was a combination of of like lots of years and experience and and a great phenomenal team my team was amazing uh everything came together really well but uh the mental preparation was key and definitely that aspect of of uh the the vision that you create in your mind is, is really important. And I, I didn't, I, I wouldn't say that, uh, we had the top four finishers return this year, mm-hmm. including the winner from last year. And, uh, another aspect is the, the race, uh, change, uh, from the previous year due to the, uh, new standards or the, the moratorium that the national park put forth. Right. So, but the the race retained its bad water essence and spirit and uh because the 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 while well, the heat was 
still very hot over 100 degrees it wasn't the 120 plus but the the altitude uh increase uh we did like 19,000 feet of of climbing in that that race and and uh it still has its iconic vistas that you see mm -hmm. and just really great uh group of international runners about 21 countries represented and and just uh it it draws a, a large uh, array of, of very interesting characters we'll yeah that's, that. that seems to be what it is known for uh, at yes least, at least to the extent that i know it um so I want to talk about the new course a little bit too. I'm interested in that, but I first want to go back to what you said about it kind of came down to having a vision, uh, like a mental sort of vision in your head. And can you go into a little bit of detail, like what what that means or what that meant for you in this instance? I mean, did you did you do a lot of like actual deliberate visualization ahead of time, or was it more just as you were running, saying, you know, I I can see myself as someone who wins this thing? A little bit of both, like for sure. Uh, when I was in. Portugal, actually, I, it, it's another side bit is I, I take people on running holidays with uh, RunQuest Travel. Mm -hmm. And I was there with Carlos and we were antagonizing each other. In fact, he wasn't planning to come to Badwater this year. And he changed his mind about uh, five weeks before the race because our group that was there, we kept on teasing each other back and forth. And when I was out in, in Portugal, and I, I, I did a lot of I tried to visualize myself in the position I wanted to be with the race and they give myself the mindset that I could do it. But uh, I also just kind of listen to people around me. Uh, and, you know, the vision, it doesn't have to be just about winning. It, it's for anyone, just whatever they want to accomplish. Maybe it's, you know, uh, finishing their first ultra or it could be, uh, you know, a certain time goal they have or a place, but, uh, you know, I couldn't control what everyone else is going to do. So I can only control myself and, and go for the very best I could humanly do that day. And it was very fortunate. It all came together, but I, I met this guy in, uh, Vegas, uh, when we were, uh, transitioning, like arriving in Vegas and on our way to, to Lone Pine, uh, who was there with his wife. And we were all talking around the pool area and he said, nothing can stop a man with a, a belief. And like that became my model. Uh, mm -hmm. There was something to that. And uh, he was kind of like a young Morgan Freeman type. And he just had a very powerful, powerful way of saying that just kind of struck me. And so I, you know, I, I really tried to hone that, that, that belief and uh, just try and division that, you know, it, I could achieve it. That's it, it is possible because so often, you know, with that's the pursuit of the ultras is why, why we enjoy running or ultra running is because we're trying to strive to push ourselves beyond what we mentally believe we're capable of. You know, we have these mental, you know, maybe mental holdups, you know, mm -hmm. so, so that, that was powerful for me. It really made an impact and, and, uh, but everything just came, came together really well. Wow. race yeah sounds, sounds like it i mean you broke 24 hours one by 50 minutes i think um, yes pretty incredible so it was amazing so I, I mean as far as food goes as a vegetarian out there um i mean i don't i don't know that too many people during ultras are eating that much meat anyway <laughs> but uh, i'm just curious like what what do you use to i would hope they wouldn't <laughs> I, I don't yeah <laughs> it doesn't seem like it would be too helpful during a race so oh these are 
How, what, what did I eat personally? Yeah, just what you. I mean, well, during during the race itself. Well, it, it, and I like I like to just take us back a, a little bit. It's actually, you know, going back. I became vegetarian the same year I did my first ultra, and that was back in 1996. I had sort of a, a revolution in my life. Uh, it had a number of things happen. My mother had a stroke at, in her young 50s, and she was a nurse and. I, I grew up eating like most American, a lot of Americans eating a lot of fast food, and I was actually obese as a as a teenager, uh, and it, it just uh, really struck me. Uh, also, I, um, I I was uh, in Australia and I did this program with the rainforest there, and I met like a whole group of uh, young people who half the group seemed to actually be vegetarian. And I was really impressed by that because some of them were like the most athletic people I'd seen in a while. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, you know, this is this is something I had really wanted to do prior, but I had been putting it off just because it was something I thought would take too much effort or just because I, it was going against the current of the culture at the time. And so it was really amazing impact for me when I started being vegetarian back in 96. I felt like, oh. I can't even describe it, 10 times better in so many areas. And I started getting a lot quicker and faster back then. And so uh, eating eating is, uh, I love to eat. <laughs> and so <laughs> the, the food really matters to me. Now with bad water, bad water is a different type of an environment because it is so hot. It's, it's very difficult. I have a very strong iron stomach. I mean, that's actually, when I look at ultra running, I look at like maybe 20 points, uh, 20 different categories in which ultra runners may excel. You know, it might be something with like uh, speed. It might be mountains. It might be, uh, it could be something spiritual. It could be, uh, there's a, a whole array and nutrition or stomach is one of them. And that's one of the categories I really excel in. And, and I, so I can usually just consume more calories than the com- competition a lot of times. And it really helps me. But with bad water, solid foods was really not very possible because when you get over 100 degrees, your your stomach all the more has, it's just very hard to process. So I ate a lot of like, uh, I, I consumed thousands and thousands of calories, but mo- most all in liquid form. Okay. And yeah, what uh, specifically? My, just... my number one drink was actually the Cran, uh, Cran Raspberry Cliff, Cliff uh, Electrolyte drink. It's a new one they came out with. I was only planning on using that for like maybe 10% of my drinks, but it was so good. I ended up using it for probably 60% of my my consumption. Hmm. And then, so I like to have electrolyte drinks, but I also like to have like a variety. I like to have uh, soda. I drink Coca-Cola and grape soda. Uh, And when I'm drinking more soda, that doesn't have electrolytes in it. So I'll I'll like try to take like a, a electrolyte tablet if I'm consuming more of that, I also drink coconut water and um, once in a while, or ginger ale, uh, vital water. Uh, I like to have a variety, like Powerade at times, uh, different flavors. I just I get bored if I'm drinking the same thing all the time. So it, it for me, it helps me a lot to consume different items. And then for that race, uh, it, one of the things that's kind of funny, but I, I love I love Whole Foods, and I like to uh, have like an avocado, maybe cheese sandwich. 
Uh, I also like uh, baby food. As funny as it is, the baby food is like killer. <laughs> <laughs> that that it works so well. People they have only marketed it to the babies. <laughs> it it is great for like doing ultras. I don't see a whole lot of people using that. I don't. Have you ever used it before? You know, in my first fifty miler, I I bought one of those little squeeze packs from Starbucks that are yeah. they're for kids. Peter Rabbit is the company, I think. Right. And it was like you know strawberry something else puree, and it was good. I mean, it was like a kind of like a gel, but it was exactly. It, was it only tastes like it's yeah. really good. Uh, now the other thing I ate was uh, Cliff Bar gels, and those were fantastic. They're like ninety percent organic mm-hmm. and all natural, and then also the Cliff shots. But uh, more gels than shots because the uh, just like I said, it's it's harder for your body to digest them. Uh, another funny thing that I really like when I it, it, that I've discovered in the last like year and a half that's like lightning is. Uh, York peppermint patties. <laughs> now these are not healthy things to eat on like the daily basis. You know, other than the cliff stuff, that's healthy. But uh, you know, the it it works really well. Wow, interesting. That's funny. I mean, so I mean, it just it's just mind blowing to me that that you that you're running at the level you do. I mean, with I mean, it's not not that I know any better and think that that there's anything wrong with eating peppermint patties for for your race yeah. fuel, aside from I guess any <laughs> vegan issues, but. I mean, you know, training a hundred mile weeks on a hundred miles a week on average, eating that kind of stuff. I mean, no, no magic formula there. Um, it's just well, when I'm you when I'm actually training, I don't eat like that. Okay, like uh, not race. really. Although I do treat myself to Coca Colas, <laughs> like it's a reward. But I I don't eat like that junk stuff. Uh, I I mean, I'll eat like healthier stuff, like the Cliff products. Mm-hmm. The Cliff products are are healthy, and I like to eat a very you know I like to eat rather clean, healthy as much as possible while I'm training. But when it's, when it's race time, it's like, just put all the fuel in there. Just, uh, just go into jet fuel and the most, uh, the, the, the things that offer you the most calories, the quickest, uh, bam. Yeah. It's ready to go. Yep. So were you, when you were younger, like high school, were you, were you a talented runner back then? Or is it something that's coming? Not not at all. No, it's kind of funny. I did get into running uh, longer distances at a rather young age. I was uh, 15 when I went out, and I, I was not a very good runner at all. I, I, I had run up to like eight miles at that point, and that was really good for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, uh, I was on the, the track team. I think my, my best mile was my ninth grade year at that point, and that was my best mile my whole high school uh, career, and it was like a 539. Okay. So it was, I was, uh, usually I'd finish like towards like the, the back of the group and that was, I, I, that was fine. <laughs> but I went out and I did the, uh, Cleveland marathon on a whim. My mother, somehow I managed to get her to, to agree to the idea. And I had always seen it on TV and it just impressed me how people went out and, and ran for 26 miles. And I never really dreamed it was possible. But at 15, it's just something that that grabbed me about the idea, and I told like the rest of the track team, and they said, "Harvey, there is no way uh, in a, in hell that you're going to be able to finish half of that race, let alone 26 miles." Uh-huh. And uh, so I went out and I I ran the first eight miles, of course, at like an eight minute pace, <laughs> and I got to about mile nine and a quarter, and I just was like, "What happened?" <laughs> And so fortunately, I managed to tag up with a, a couple other 
uh, runners that were somewhat in the same boat that didn't know what they were doing, what they got themselves into, but they wanted to finish. And we managed to finish that race. And it was just such a, a, a victory at the end. And that's what I can really relate to any runner because I've been the runner that's finished last and I've been the runner that's finished first. Uh-huh. So it's, uh, it's something that I, I, I understand that it, it's, uh, it's it, to me in many ways, it, it's more of a feat to finish in the, in last or in the, the end of the group as it is to finish in the front of the group. That's a really great point because there's, there's in, in many different races, not going to be nearly the adrenaline rush. I mean, I've actually, I did a runner's world event this last summer, I guess in June. And, yeah. uh, and one of the, one of the girls who's usually a pretty fast runner or another blogger who went there, she got sick on, on race day morning and ended up, you know, running a few miles of this half marathon and then realizing today was not her day. And she decided she's just going to walk yeah. and finish this thing. And, uh, she said it was just such a difference from like, you know, being at her normal pace to being in the back of the pack when like, you know, aid station type people were packing up and the crowds were gone and it was like a big struggle to finish. You know, oh, there yeah. are many people back there who that's that's their normal pace and they're they're working just as hard as people at the front are, uh, but but there's nobody there to, to cheer for them. So anyway, runners yeah, will, runners will did address the situation to their credit and said that, that they would make sure that in the future that absolutely would be would be a different situation at the back of the pack, which is cool. But, but that's a great point that, that it is just, it can be much harder in the, at the, in the back than the beginning. Yeah. I just have a lot of admiration for runners at any level. Yeah. All right. So I want to talk about Cleveland more in just a minute. Um, cause of the 24 hour thing that you just did recently. But, um, before we, before we go away from Badwater, can you talk a little bit about the course change? Cause that's been in the news a lot. Um, the sure. thing, and, and like you said, such an iconic course that, that they had to change it. Um, how much of it was this was similar, or was it was it all entirely different? And and at, you know the, the heat you mentioned was twenty degrees off of what it sometimes is. Is that because of the course change? Yes, yes. Well, the race is basically you're looking at uh, about two thirds of the almost half, definitely half the race has been changed. Uh, you have the the iconic uh, finish on Mount Whitney. Uh, you have Lone Pine. You have the section from Darwin's Pass, which is at mile, oh, it's about mile 90 on the original course to mile 135. So basically, it's been uh, very controversial and uh, we we've tried very hard in terms of like the the athletes and the others in the in the country to know about Badwater to to re- retain the original course because the course goes back it actually goes back to the to the uh, 1977 when uh, Arnold did the race uh, and the race itself has been going on through the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s. Uh, the Death Valley National Park wasn't created until 1994. So in terms of the politics, it's just unfortunate. And we're kind of seeing that uh, a lot of the national parks in the country are, are trying or looking to restrict more and more recreational use. And in some cases, I think it, it makes sense. Like, for example, yeah, having just everyone run through uh, the Grand Canyon in the middle of the summer, that could be a pretty dangerous situation. And there's not really, uh, you know, 
is not like an easy exit strategy. But uh, with our course, uh, we always had it very well uh, methodically planned out. In the whole history of the race, going back 34 years, there's never been a single citation or accident. And so it, it was really disheartening. Uh, and we, we really would love to, to get back to our traditional route. Uh, the, the National Park Service has finally come out with their report just in the last 10 days. And the new report basically, uh, it's going to allow the Badwater Race to return, although it's not going to allow it to return at the same time of year, uh, same start time as it's traditionally had. Because we traditionally race the course at the very uh, heart of the summer, July 15th-ish. And we go, uh, we start at uh, 6 a.m., 8 a.m., and 10 a.m. wave. And so we're racing at the very hottest point. And uh, now they're they're uh, pushing to have that change. So we'll have to probably race, you know, one or two months different. Uh, where it, the the hottest point I think would be on average 112 or something like that. But uh, the new course, I was really driving through the old course in order to get to the new course. I was a little bit uh, reminiscent and uh, nostalgic, and I, I felt a little sadness. It was like passing a relative that y- you know you couldn't stop and say hello to, uh, and it was uh, it, it was a bit disheartening. But when I got to the to the new course and running the new course, it goes through the Alabama hills. There's amazing rock formations I didn't even know existed. And I've been out there four times. I had no idea that that whole place existed. And then it goes up to this uh, Horseshoe Meadows, which is up to 10,000 feet at mile 21, 22, and then comes on back down. Then the second mountain is up to Cerro Gordo, this incredible mountain pass. Uh, It's a a gravel road going up eight miles and then eight miles back. And at the top of that, you have an old ghost town, an, an actual ghost town. So the the race I also enjoyed this year was the fact that you got to see the runners multiple times because traditionally the original course is just a point to point, but the new course it goes uh, from Lone Pine up to Lone, uh, to Horseshoe Meadows and then back down, so you pass people there, and then you also pass people on Cerro Gordo because uh, it's up and back, and then you also pass people when you're going out to Darwin because you go out to Darwin and then back to Lone Pine. So it's kind of nice because traditionally you would only see people maybe one time, but now you can see uh, runners uh, in the back of the group uh, multiple times throughout the race. Okay, gotcha. Cool. So it sounds like it still has retained some of at least the charm and, and new surprises and things. And, and I think it's it sounds um, – although, I mean – it's funny that you're disappointed that, that, the, that when they return to the new course, the temperature will only get up to 112. That's uh, that's kind of funny. <laughs> only only in bad water, I guess. Right. Um, but yeah, but that that actually is good to hear because you know, as someone who like has just always dreamed of that race, uh, you know that 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 it would like if I ever would get there, the idea that it would be on a different course than kind of what I always imagined. Um, right. You know, it was just disappointing. So that's actually good to hear. Very much. Very much. All right. Cool. So. Um, and all these policies, they all came out of a, a single uh, position change in the uh, Death Valley National Park. There's a new superintendent that took uh, took leadership, and that superintendent, like single-handedly, just changed the policy. So 
it's not this wasn't like a some sort of like a consensus building operation or something that that had like a, there was a, a an event that occurred that caused this to to uh, be the result of um, and we've tried to address all the points that were concerns uh, in order to just make it the race even better for the national park we now have one support vehicle versus two and we uh, have new rules about crossing the street uh, anything that could be a potential risk we've tried to address so going forward we'll we'll see what happens we're uh optimistic you know we'll we'll go with what you know the the changes must be this year but you know we're we're kind of a persistent band so <laughs> I, I don't think that we'll give up uh on this one uh too lightly good even well, that, if it takes a few years yeah that's that's good to hear so it sounds like by the time I get there, we'll, we'll probably be like three or four superintendents down the road. So I'll <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm ready for it. We'll, 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 we'd love to have you come on out. <laughs> we'll see. One day, maybe. Definitely. Right. Um, so, so Cleveland, the 24-hour national championship, which you just did a few – was it last week or two weeks ago? It was just this last weekend. Okay. Uh, yeah, Saturday, Sunday, and it's Wednesday today. Okay, and so, so for those who don't know, 24 hours, just you're running around a loop for as whoever can go the furthest in a 24-hour period. Um, and how did all that go? Well, you know, it's very interesting because I gave a presentation at the, a college in northern Kentucky this last weekend. One of the questions, or on Friday, or Thursday, rather, one of the questions was, you know, how much adversity or where, where, where was your low point in the race in Badwater? And I definitely felt adversity in Badwater, but to be honest with you, I never felt a low point in Badwater. I felt tired, and I felt pushed, and I was like, it, this, the, the Australian Grant, he did fantastic, and he, he hung with me a long ways. Uh, and also, uh, we had a number of other, Carlos Saw was right there, uh, Oswaldo's always pushing. You know, there, there was a, a great race, uh, there was a Guatemalan I, I felt pushed for sure, but I never felt a low point, and uh, that it was interesting. It, with Badwater, I've definitely felt low points before, but just my race was on, and I had such a phenomenal execution. But uh, with Cleveland, I didn't really mentally prepare myself for the race. I've just been very busy with schoolwork and working with uh, RunQuest Travel and a number of other uh, things that happened last week. It just was a bit spontaneous, and I didn't really put my mindset together. But doing the race, it it just was one of those. It was one of the toughest races for me personally because it just I didn't feel it from the beginning. I really didn't feel like on my A game. I was uh, my my foot was a little bit sore going into the race, and also uh, I I just it was really windy. It was a bit. Uh, it was a warm day, 80 degrees. And that usually gives me an advantage over the other runners. Uh, but I got sick. Uh, I don't know. It was the first time I actually threw up in like three years. And I don't know if we somehow may have gotten like some of our ice con- cross contaminated or something like that. Uh, and I threw up again in the evening. So it w- <laughs> I, I wanted to quit about 55 times, and my team just kept on pushing me. I had a great crew chief and uh, Nick, my friend Nick. And uh, my girlfriend Kelly and all the other uh, crew that was there from Cincinnati, 
uh, were just amazing. They just kept on pushing me. Come on, Harvey. You got it. Come on. Uh, and I wanted to quit so bad. <laughs> but I, I fell back to about uh, – I also went out very fast. I went out at a 322 marathon. So that was a bit aggressive, but I didn't have anything to lose because I, I've already – qualified for well, I have the highest distance for the USA uh, 24-hour team so I I've likely qualified for the team so I was going for a, a record on the course and just pushing myself and I, I pretty much over pushed myself but uh, the the other thing is I just I felt really just tired and uh, like just not not in it um, but I managed to come back and there was this big storm in the evening that, that gave a little extra push. And that, that helped to like knock uh, some of the other, the number two runner down a little bit. And he was, he had about 10 mile lead on me. But uh, by the end of the race, I ended up finishing uh, second. And uh, it was, it was a really, you know, it was a great race in the sense that uh overcoming that those low points because I had so many low points during that race so it meant more to me to finish second than a typical race <laughs> to win the race because I was pushed so hard and I and I managed to like pull just keep on going thanks to my team yeah but that that was 136 miles it's it's about 20 miles off of like what I would hope to do Mm-hmm. but uh that that was it was good it was good and the funny thing is after running 136 miles my foot doesn't hurt anymore <laughs> i don't know i don't know why that is yeah maybe right. maybe, maybe it's just i'm a little everything else hurts <laughs> right so uh um how just just to to get a picture of this how how big is how long is the loop that you're running around all that time well the I, I really recommend this race in cleveland if anyone's thinking of doing a 24-hour race it's uh it's about uh, a little bit less than one mile loop. It's on a really pretty park, city park that's on Lake Erie, mm-hmm. and it has these really phenomenal willow trees and a lot of action. Like there's a beach right there, and there's, believe it or not, in Ohio they have surfers, and so usually <laughs> every year they have people out surfing. Uh, they have families out there. There's always a wedding that happens every year. Uh, and people do photographs. I mean, it, and it draws a lot of, uh, people that, that, that course will actually be the national championship course for the next two years. They okay. have already allotted. So it's, it's one of the best run one, uh, or it, one of the best organized, uh, races of ultras. It's, uh, it's just a great race because you can have your gear there every mile you have, you have access to it. So if you're really, a runner who's looking to try something different, even even if you don't have in mind that you want to go for a hundred miles, uh, you can really push yourself to a new new distance on these twenty four hour races. Yeah, so yeah, I've I've enjoyed the I did a, a you know twelve hour race that was around a three mile loop, and that was that was a yeah. unique experience. So yeah, um, yeah, I would I would recommend the same. It's worth it's worth trying out. So if you got nothing to do next fall, then head over to Ohio and, and run around a one mile loop one hundred hundred times i guess and uh that, and that's right that's right <laughs> all right harvey well i don't want to take much more of your time um you've mentioned run quest a couple times with his which is your business that you do uh taking people on on running trips or vacations basically can you tell us a little bit about that it sounds amazing oh it's it is amazing in fact i attribute my winning bad water truly to my run quest trips because 
going on the run quest trip i was able to 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 run with people in just some phenomenal areas and it gave me a a, a lot of motivation everyone that went on the trip had, had they've all seen like personal records this year and uh it, but it's not just about like running hardcore and crazy it's about going to uh places and and seeing the world on the run uh we we have a really amazing trip to portugal where we we uh, hook up with uh, Carlos Saw, who's a phenomenal runner, and he is uh, kind of like on the level of Scott Jurek in Europe. He's he's well known and well followed, and he uh, he's Portuguese. He, he takes us through all the best areas of Portugal. We go to uh, the World uh, UNESCO uh, area of Sintra, exploring like uh, romantic castles, and we have. Uh, wine and cheese tastings and then we go to uh, the charming town European town of Porto which is ranked one of the top 10 uh, cities to visit in Europe and just amazing place there and then we also have a, a national park we go to Jerez where we run uh, to Spain and we finish at a natural hot springs there's like wild horses it's uh, goats I mean picnics outside the best food of the my whole year is there and uh this summer we'll also be going to do a hundred mile loop of mont blanc uh in the traditional uh tour de mont blanc trail and uh we have a a really experienced french guide will be with us there so that's happening as well and we'll be building other other trips uh people can check out the website runquesttravel.com and uh, if they have any questions, uh, please feel free to uh, look me up also on Facebook. All right, under great. Harvey Lewis. And can is this like? I mean, you know, the the two guys leading it are are elite ultra runners. Do you, do you have to be an ultra runner to come? Or, or oh, thanks for asking that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, with the with the one in France, uh, it does have a prerequisite of having run a hundred miles. Okay. With the one in Portugal. It's designed for anyone. So you could be someone that's just starting off doing 10Ks or, or half marathons to uh, someone who's a marathoner to someone that wants to, to run ultras. So it's, it's really – we had this year we had a lady who was uh, 69 uh, on uh, – and we had uh, someone who was uh, more of a hiker. Uh, we had uh, one lady, she wanted to do a 50 mile run one day. So I took her out for 50 miles. <laughs> so you basically with Carlos and I, and we have another, we have actually several other guys with us. Uh, you, you have total, total like catering to, to what you wish wow, and cool. you can run or not run. So it's up to you. There's always, uh, options, uh, with every day and it's just a, a great way to see the world and compared to, uh, like uh, REI and National Geographic that do trips uh, were about uh, two-fifths th- two of the cost and okay. about twice the quality. <laughs> so <laughs> Good. All right. So runquesttravel.com, is that right? That's right. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, and, and you do this I – mean, you're, you're a school teacher. We haven't mentioned this yet, but you, you teach high school, right? Yeah. In fact uh, – Run, uh, well, Runner's World magazine came out here last week, and they did a photo shoot. I I run back and forth to school every day. Sometimes I I like hike. Like I I was talking to you yesterday on the phone. On after doing the the twenty four hour race, it's better for me to walk. 
Mm-hmm. Some days I kayak and a couple days I bike and some days I snowshoe, but mostly I run to work and I, I'm always commuting uh, via human power. Yeah, there you go. Uh, when I'm going to work. <laughs> Great. And then and then the RunQuest stuff is uh, is always in the summers then? Is that, that how that all works? Yeah, for right now, it's uh, it's in the summer we have the trips offered. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, Harvey, thank you very much. This has been a real pleasure for me and uh, an honor to talk to to the, the winner of Badwater this year. That's that's amazing. Congratulations again. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in awe and I uh, think a lot of people probably are. So thank you very much. Well, thank you, Matt. And it's really exciting to see what you're doing. I, I look forward to seeing more podcasts from all the different athletes out there. And it's, uh, it's neat what you started. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks. Have a great evening. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye.